joining me today. This is Della Rucker of the Wise Economy Workshop, and I'm so delighted today to get an opportunity to introduce you to Kevin Wright. Kevin is the Executive Director of the Walnut Hills Redevelopment Foundation, which is located in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, a neighborhood that has had wonderful glory days and very, very tough times. Kevin and his organization have been working on a new initiative that I think is really intriguing on a lot of fronts, and I'll talk about those after the interview. But it's a new initiative. It's kind of a new take on the cash mob idea that we've seen floating about recently, but it's got an interesting targeting and an interesting twist on it. So without any further rambling, I would like to introduce you to Kevin. Thanks so much for taking the time to sit down with me, Kevin, in the midst of the like zillion degree Cincinnati <laughs> summer. We had to escape your office because of the um, six probation officers who decided <laughs> to show up in your shared space. And right. So we're just going to talk for a few minutes about um, a really neat initiative that you guys have been working on that you know, I've heard a little bit about, and it just sounds really impressive and, and different from a little little neat variation on anything I've been hearing from any other community around. So you've been calling it, it's 25? It's called uh, By 25 Tuesdays. And uh, to give you a little bit of context, um, my organization, the Walnut Hills Redevelopment Foundation, is working on revitalizing the People's Corner Business District. And one of our most important anchors is our Kroger grocery store down at the corner of Kemper and McMillan. And historically, over the last, say, five years or so, you can Google search and find mm -hmm. that some Inquirer articles where, the, where Kroger management talks about how the store in Walnut Hills is not profitable and how they might have to close it someday if it continues to not make a profit. Uh, very similar to the Roselawn store that closed in 2010 and created a food desert there. Uh, when they closed that store, they said that the Walnut Hill store was their second most unprofitable store and was also um, at risk of being closed. So, can we, we we should also point out here that in Cincinnati, Kroger is far and away the dominant traditional grocery store. It's headquartered right. here. There's you know, in some communities, there's, you have Kroger's, you have Stegelots, you have, you know, a variety of other brands, but here in, in a large portion of Cincinnati, it's Kroger. Or it's, yeah, it's know, really Walmart. an interesting situation in Cincinnati because it's mostly Kroger throughout the city and the, and the suburbs, of course. Um, but also Kroger is one of the biggest groceries in the grocery companies in the world and their headquarters are here. And, you know, they don't have the greatest reputation for maintaining quality urban grocers in the city. Uh, whether that's fair or not is probably a question for another person, but that's their reputation. So it is an interesting situation being in an urban environment in Cincinnati and dealing with Kroger. Right. So what was, so so there's the context. What was it that you guys decided to do and, and where did this idea come from? Well, it came from a number of places. Um, 
I started as executive director of the Redevelopment Foundation in October. And like I said, we're working on revitalizing the business district. And I spent my first three months getting to know different people of all walks of life in the community, sitting down and having coffee with them. And in almost every conversation, Kroger would come up. And most people would say, I don't shop at the Kroger. And they would say they don't shop there because they don't feel safe in the parking lot. And because once they do get through the parking lot and inside, the food options aren't great. And my initial reaction was, well, if Kroger's not operating a good store, then maybe they should go. I mean, maybe we should just not support them. That lasted for about 10 seconds. And then I, <laughs> <laughs> I came to my senses and knew, understood really that if we lost Kroger, we would maybe get another grocery store, but it would probably be five years. It would probably be a lesser version of a grocery store. And we'd have a giant vacant building sitting in the heart of our business district for a number of years. So I, when I saw the news about the Roseland store in 2010, I always um, questioned the approach of Roseland in saying that because you're a grocery store, you have a moral obligation to stay in our neighborhood. Hmm. In my mind, a grocery store is no different than a butcher shop, a bakery, or a coffee shop. They're a business. They're in the business of making money. If the community doesn't support them, then they shouldn't stay. With that said, the store also needs to make sure their parking lot's safe, make sure they stock certain foods, and, and, and so on and so forth. So after understanding that the two reasons people weren't shopping there were safety and food options, I went to Kroger management, to the manager of the Kroger. Of that a, specific Of that store. specific Kroger. And I talked to him, and I said, are you guys making money? And we had a conversation about the fact that they aren't making money, which we already knew, of course, because Kroger management, corporate management, had said in a number of inquiry articles that they were not profitable. Oh, not and at all. Not at all. Ooh. And I started a conversation with him, and we formed a committee, a neighborhood committee. And through discussions with him and through kind of the research through the inquiry articles that had been published and a few other areas, we determined that we, we thought two things. We could bring in, as a community, we could organize and bring in $10,000 a month in new revenue. And we think that would make them a profitable store. So that's $120,000 a year in new revenue, not new profit. Mm -hmm. Then when you boil that number down, it comes down to 200 new customers spending $50 a month, which is fairly easy to achieve yeah. in a neighborhood as, as, as well organized as Walnut Hills. And what do you mean by well organized? Well, we have a strong community council. We have a strong business group. We uh, have the Redevelopment Foundation, and all three of those organizations speak to one another. We're all on, we're on good terms. We work together. Good. So through the different connections with those three groups, we really have a good handle on the residents of the community and who they are and what they want. So we decided to we needed to achieve three things. We needed to make the store's parking lot safer. We needed to make the food options better, and we needed to make the store profitable, all in an effort to keep them in the neighborhood, but also improve the quality of the ex grocery experience. So we created Buy 25 Tuesdays, and what that is is, is a, on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, 
we create an event type atmosphere in the parking lot of the Kroger where we have music, food, oh. and we get people to come. And, and by food, you mean vendors? Uh, we have, we're, we're working on having sample people in the store handing oh, out food. Okay. We're working on getting the manager of the store to grill out in the parking lot. Okay. Um, and the idea is from 4 to 8 p.m. on the 2nd and 4th Tuesday, we create the safe environment so the people who didn't feel safe will come. Mm -hmm. The manager is on duty standing outside. And as you go in and shop, if you can't find something like an organic strawberries or Kashi cereal or whatever else you want to buy, whole bean coffee, mm -hmm. you can come out and say to Mike, the manager, hey, here's a piece of paper. Here's my list of what I would like to see stocked in the store. I'm, I couldn't buy it here. I'm going to leave the neighborhood and go to a different grocery store to buy it. But mm -hmm. if you had it here, I'd buy it. Cool. And this is all in an effort. And, and the idea, we call it Buy 25 Tuesdays because we want people to come, spend $25, get to know some of their neighbors, tell the manager what they want to see improved about the store. And if you spend 25 bucks every other Tuesday, that comes to 50 bucks a month or $10,000 a, uh, a month if 200 people do it. Mm -hmm. And it's a win-win situation for, for everyone. Wow, that's impressive. So you've done this now how many times? Just once. Okay, so you've, you've got one under your belt, and it sounds like it was pretty successful for the first time out the gate. Yeah, first time out of the gate, um, we calculated um, that we generated $2,700 in new revenue that, that night. Oh, nice. So our goal would be $5,000 per Tuesday. So we're over halfway to our goal on the first time, which we think mm -hmm. was very good. And you're publicizing this to the neighborhood through the organization, through the Facebook, through Twitter? Uh, Facebook, Twitter, we have a constant contact email list, we have flyers, um, and we have a number of, of ways to get it out. Okay. Um, this is, a, you know, this is something that we think affects everyone. Um, you know, Walnut Hills is a diverse community. And we want to create a product on the business district that caters to people of all walks of life, old, young, black, white, poor, wealthy, middle class. And we think that the grocery store is sort of a, a microcosm for that. So if we can get create a grocery experience where everybody from all walks of life has a quality grocery, grocery experience, then we think that that can spread out throughout the business district. Wonderful. Well, and even after that very first one, Mm -hmm. You already got Kroger management attention. Are we, you we did. <laughs> able to talk about that a little bit at this point? Uh, I can talk a little bit about it. Um, we got some, some, some other press coverage after the event, and it caught uh, the attention of corporate, corporate Kroger all the mm -hmm. way to the top floor of the Kroger building. And uh, they kind of, I, I would guess, said to themselves, well, what's going on in Walnut Hills? Um, the community is organizing around making us profitable, uh, which is something that is new to them. And we're still slowly working on it, but uh, we, we are hoping that because the first event was a success and we are going to make sure that they're all successful and continue to get bigger, we're hoping that Kroger um, is, will see the light and become an official partner on this. And yeah. then maybe we can have coupons and we can really grow it with Kroger as a partner. Um, and we think that, that a after the success of the first event, that's already starting to happen. So hopefully we'll have more official news on that in the coming weeks or so. Great, great. Well, at this point, if you were sitting here with a 
person who's working in a you know a district that has a struggling grocery store um, would you have any advice for them in thinking about how to how to use this model how to um, what do you, what do you think would be the key components to making this kind of initiative successful that's a good question um, and you're early so you know right well I mean you know, you need to have, you, you need to, hmm, well, you need to understand how to organize a community. Mm -hmm. And um, we have a large senior and low income population, but we also have, like probably a lot of urban communities, a growing uh, young professional population and retiree population that has disposable income. Mm -hmm. And in the initial portion, that was who we were doing this for, because those are the ones who aren't shopping at the store, and those mm -hmm. are the ones who um, spend a lot of money. So, you know, you really have to, I think, embrace social media. Um, we branded it very well. We, we didn't jump into this. This was four months in preparation before mm -hmm. we jumped into it. We, we found a volunteer to create a logo. We created flyers. Um, we wanted this to seem like the hip and cool thing to do for everyone in the community, and we spent a lot of time before we initially um, hit the ground running with it. But I would just say, you know, my advice, and this may seem like common sense to some and to others not, that, you know, just because it's a grocery store doesn't mean that they're any different than any other business. And you could say the same about a bank. Mm -hmm. Low-income communities need grocery stores and banks, and, and if they leave, it's detrimental to the population. But you can't expect them to stay if they're not making money. And so you just have to turn their model upside down on them and try to find a way to make them profitable. And so far, we've had a lot of success with that. Awesome. Thanks so much for taking the time to, to sit down with me today. No problem. In the zillion de degree. Yeah, it's only going to get hotter today. So. Yeah, that's what they keep telling me. But no, that, that's awesome. I, I really appreciate your time. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kevin as much as I did. He is a wonderful young professional. He is doing great work in Cincinnati and in the Walnut Hills neighborhood, and I think Cincinnati is pretty fortunate to have him and, and have him filling that role. There's a couple of things that I wanted to particularly highlight from that story that I think are the takeaways for a lot of us who are working in communities, whether they're rural communities or urban communities like Walnut Hills. One of the things that came out in that story is that one of the secrets of success for this initiative so far has been the fact that they've been able to draw together a pretty broad-ranging base of community capacity. So Kevin mentioned that not only is the Redevelopment Foundation working on this, but the Community Council, which is a neighborhood-based organization, and also a broad number of other participants in the community, people who work with specific populations, organizations that have specific uh, points of view and specific um, areas of concentration. To make this initiative work, it couldn't come from just one. It couldn't come from just the Community Council or just the Redevelopment Foundation. 
they really needed to draw on that broader network. And I think more and more, this is the nature of how to really deeply address the challenges that we face, is that we have to find partners and we have to work in this kind of a highly collaborative manner. The second point is that when they started looking at who can we recruit to be part of this initiative, who can we recruit to be the ones who are coming and spending that $25 two Tuesdays a month, they did not try to scattershot the entire community. Instead, they focused on a few key populations that they suspected and were right in thinking would be more receptive to their message. So in the case of Walnut Hills, there is a growing population of young professionals. So we pull them in. It's a growing population of empty nesters, uh, retired folks who have decided to move back into the city to be closer to you know, interesting things that are going on. Let's pull them in. And let's pull in a few other populations that particularly need this kind of environment, this kind of store. So a, a substantial low-income population that is senior-based. So these are people who, you know, have a very particular stake in the ground when it comes to this issue of a local grocery store, and also a, a, a fairly substantial population of, of people who are disabled and would have a challenge getting to a grocery store elsewhere. Not trying to hit everybody in the neighborhood, but trying to hit those populations, trying to get the message across to those populations that are going to care the most about this issue. A third piece that Kevin didn't mention during the, art, during the interview, but we talked about a little bit afterward, and that is in that targeting they didn't limit themselves to the arbitrary boundaries of their neighborhood. And in Cincinnati, each neighborhood has very definite boundaries. That's not the case everywhere, but that's the case in Cincinnati. But they understood that to find enough of the people who would care about this to make the Buy 25 initiative work, that they needed to expand beyond the formal boundaries of the neighborhood and draw in people from several of the surrounding neighborhoods. People who live there don't really see those neighborhood boundaries, but the people who work in the organizations have a tendency to think in terms of this is where my space ends and this is where the next space begins. They threw that out the window with this initiative and spent a substantial amount of effort targeting and recruiting people who did not live in within their boundaries. By doing that, they were also able to draw on the assets of, of some of the other surrounding neighborhoods, particularly some higher income populations. One other thing that Kevin told me afterward was that they experienced a pretty substantial initial pushback from Kroger. Kroger was not real excited about this idea to begin with, but they have come around because of the realization that this organization and this group of organizations is trying to help them to be successful in this environment. But they didn't just immediately leap up and down with joy over this sort of random group among all of their 
national store locations doing something like this. So when you do something that's a little out of the box, you have to be prepared for maybe not the most positive reaction to begin with. And one of the reasons why they have been able to continue to move forward is because they didn't give up in the face of that initial reaction. One of the things that Kevin didn't mention and that I know from being in this area is that the story that got corporate attention did not come out of the newspaper. In fact, the Cincinnati newspaper, the Cincinnati TV, the Cincinnati traditional media hasn't really covered this story in much detail yet. Instead, that corporate attention that Kevin mentioned came from two non-traditional media sources. One is a blog. It's a plain old blog. It's an extremely good blog, but it's a blog called Urban Cincy that does very nice reporting, but is not a traditional newspaper. The second thing that got corporate attention and has started to create this partnership between the big corporation and the little neighborhood was a video that was posted on YouTube that was taken by volunteers. It was taken by a volunteer from the area who shot this video of his own initiative and put it online. We tend to assume a lot of times that we have to still get the paper, the TV, the radio, the whoever the traditional media is in your community, and that's not so much the case anymore. And in fact, it helps enormously that Kroger's headquarters are in the same city where Urban Cincy focuses, but it didn't require the, the traditional channels of media attention for them to make this happen. And the final thing I want to point out is that the initiative that Kevin is talking about is just at its very, very beginnings. They've had a very good start, but it's a start, and they have a long, long way to go. We have a tendency, and I talk about this a lot, to assume that there's some magic bullet out there that will instantaneously make the changes that we want to have happen. And we're realizing more and more and more that the real issues that matter to people in the places we live, that matter to creating a robust economy, and that matter to creating a, a, a place where people want to be, that these aren't magic bullet solution kinds of issues. We're realizing more and more that these are issues that we've just got to plug at. It's going to be incremental. It's going to be a long haul. It's, we have to keep the long game and the long vision in mind. And the Walnut Hills Redevelopment Fund and their partners are doing a great job of starting to make that happen. If you have questions or comments about this blog post, Please feel free to share them online at thewiseeconomy.com. You can also contact us through Twitter at Della Rucker, all one word sort of mashed together, or on Facebook at Della Rucker, A-I-C-P-C-E-C-D. My, the Facebook account that just says Della Rucker 
you're going to hear about my kids and my dog, so you don't really want that one. We'd be delighted to hear your feedback, to hear your comments, and I will definitely be sharing any good ideas that you folks have with Kevin. I know he's looking for them. So thanks again for taking the time to be with us today, and I encourage you, as I always try to, let's go make it happen.